There's a passage of scripture here that uh, I consider to be uh, a little difficult to understand. I will not read uh, the whole passage here. I've got another translation that I thought uh, might be a little bit more easy to understand. So I'll start reading first, uh, Second Corinthians. Pardon me, the first chapter, fifteen. 16, 17, and 18. 2 Corinthians 1, 15. And in this confidence I was minded to come unto you before that you might have a second benefit and to pass by you into Macedonia and to come again out of Macedonia unto you and of you to be brought on my way toward Judea. When I therefore was thus minded, did I use lightness. Now as I read this, you're, you're probably wondering, what in the world is he talking about? It's a little difficult to understand. All right. Are the things that I purpose, do I purpose according to the flesh, that with me there should be yea, yea, and nay, nay. But as God is true, our word toward you is not yea and nay. And you may be seated. <clears throat> <laughs> now, if you had to interpret all that, you'd probably say, what in the world is the Apostle Paul speaking of? And why I chose this passage of Scripture uh, to read to you, I'm not really for sure, except that I, I did feel a direction from the Lord. How you come to that conclusion, sometimes you're not really for sure. But uh, this passage of Scripture just came to me. And I was reading it, and it was a very difficult one for me to understand. I want to speak to you this morning on the danger of saying no to God. The danger of saying no to God. Now, <clears throat> I want to take the, the Amplified New Testament. Now, the Amplified New Testament, uh, or the Amplified Bible, is different from most translations. And the reason why that the Amplified is so different from most translations is because that uh, for the most part it gives you all possible translations. And in giving you all possible translations you can decipher what you really think the original language was saying. Now, the American Standard Version, Revised Standard Version, or any other version, as a matter of fact, doesn't do that. The people who translate give you what they feel that the language is saying. Now, I believe the Bible is infallible. I believe that the uh, Bible as it was given was infallible. I do, however, feel that uh, sometimes that because, well, for the King James, for uh, for an example, being translated in 16, what, 1605 and revised in 1611, some, my dates may be off a little bit there, it contains Old English vernacular. And uh, like yea, the word yea means what? Yes. And nay means no. Uh, sometimes we get the idea that Jesus, you know, went around saying yea and nay and thee and thou. He really didn't say that. He really didn't, he didn't say that. Uh, he said yes and no. In the Greek, it was a different word from what even we're using now. But in the old English, it was yea and nay. 
The amplified version of the Bible, however, just gives you many different translations. So I want to I want to read this out of the amplified for you. Uh, we'll start reading verse 14. Now, you can follow along if you would like in, in verse 14. Uh, Just as you have already partially known and understand and acknowledge us and recognize that you can honestly be proud of us, even as we can be proud of you in the day of our Lord Jesus. It was with assurance of this that I wanted and planned to visit you first of all so that you might have a double favor or token of grace or goodwill. I wanted to visit you on my way to Macedonia and then to come again to you on my return trip from Macedonia and have you send me forward on my way to Judea. Now because I changed my original plan... Uh, uh, pardon me, let's start verse 17 over again. Now, because I changed my original plan, was I being unstable or precarious? Question mark. See, what he's saying is, now, you understood one thing. I changed my plan. And it makes it sound like, Paul, in, in the King James, that Paul was saying, my, my no's didn't always mean no, and my yeas don't always mean nay. Uh, or yeas don't always mean yes. Uh, what he was saying here is, I changed my plan. And somehow you didn't understand that I changed my plan. So when I said, yes, I'm coming, you know, I changed my plan. It appeared to you that, that it was double talk because I didn't come at all. I was just under a lot of pressure and couldn't come. You didn't get the word, all right? Or what I plan to do, I plan according to the flesh like a worldly man. In other words, I came up here, I pulled my calendar out. My calendar says that, that uh, uh, Thursday, Friday night of this week, we're going to have a mother-daughter banquet. Okay? Uh, quite frankly, we probably didn't pray a lot about when we were going to have the mother-daughter banquet. We just set the mother-daughter banquet right before Mother's Day, which is next Sunday. And we have it in our calendar that that mother's mother-daughter banquet, or our plans are mother our mother-daughter banquet will be held each uh, Friday before Mother's Day. It's a good time to have a mother-daughter banquet, isn't it? Well, see, we didn't we didn't really pray about that. We just decided that's that's good business. That's what Paul was saying. See, that's just good business. He said, "I I set my calendar according to the flesh, like a worldly man." just good business. Ready to say yes, yes, when it may mean no, no. In other words, what he's saying is there is a time, however, when the Holy Ghost comes down and says, wait a minute, you've got to do otherwise. See, you've got to follow me. So all the plans of man can be interrupted when God looks down and says, wait a minute. Why? Because God is the highest source of knowledge and power that you can find any place. So he pulls rank over everybody and everything. If you don't believe that's true, uh, you just take a look at, 
at death. When does death occur? Does God come down and say, now you've got to die, so you plan in your calendar when you're going to die and when it's most convenient for you. No, he'll interrupt some of your busiest schedules to take you. Doesn't even ask you, does he? It's God, see. So that's what he's saying here. As surely as God is trustworthy and faithful and means what he says, our speech and message to you have not been yes, that it might mean no. Now you, you see what he's saying here is that, well, I had a plan and I really meant yes, but I had to change my plans and you didn't get the word, so you thought it was a bunch of double talk. Paul says he's coming, you all got together. Let's say that he all got together like we did a couple of Sunday nights ago expecting Brother Clark, Brother Kerry Clark. Brother, Brother Kerry Clark. And it came this big snowstorm. Something interfered. Something he had no power or control over. And we're all here and we're just waiting and longing and looking. Brother Clark does not come. We announced it. We said he was coming. What happened? God changed his plan. Now we did get word but let's suppose we didn't have telephones and such. Then what could be done? Nothing. Absolutely nothing could be done. Now, that is exactly what Paul is saying. That, that uh, it sounds like a, a lot of double talk sometimes. When, uh, when God just reaches down and says, no, this is where it's going to be. I planned it. I had it on my calendar. It was all scheduled. You all met. You were ready for me coming. I didn't come. Now you think I'm a liar. I didn't really mean to do that. He said it just happened to be that way. <clears throat> now, <clears throat> and so what he's saying is that, that, that there are certain times when, when, when yes turns out to be no. You made up your mind you're going to do something, but God says you're not going to do it. See, your yes really means no. And at the time that you plan it, then, uh, you know, it. Uh, that's fine. Uh, I like holidays. I really like holidays. And the reason why I like holidays is because I like to spend time with my family and with my friends. Well, now, we have Memorial Day coming up pretty soon. It's always, you know, the first great holiday of the spring and and such and and I always plan on going fishing on Memorial Day. I like that. You know what happens sometimes though you get everything together and you're going to have a cookout and and the weather, you know, it's just going to be, you know, you can just see the sunshine. Can't you see the sunshine in Memorial Day? Just think about it. you go outside right now. It is beautiful. So you get everything all packed up and loaded up and and we're going to head out in the morning, Memorial Day. Now, tomorrow's not Memorial Day, but, but you know, we, it's the night before, and we're getting everything all planned and packed, and everything's ready. And uh, then you get up right at the crack of dawn, and you look out, and, and the sun, you don't see it. You see the light, but there's no sun. Where is it? You go out in the yard, and wow, it's sprinkling. See? So you got to go in, you get on the phone, you call all the family members. And you said, you know that big picnic we planned for today? Well, it just so happens 
We're not going to have it. We said yes. You called me last night and said, are we going to have that picnic? I said yes. But sometimes yes means no. And in this case, it, it means no. And see, that's what Paul is saying, that, that God just had one idea and I had another. And it may sound like a lot of double talk to you, but really it's not double talk. That's just the way God is. He, he pulls rank on me sometimes. And you know he's going to pull rank on everybody at some given time in their life. Now, there is a time to say no, and there's a time to mean no. Matthew, the fifth chapter, verse 37. Uh, <clears throat> Matthew, the fifth chapter, verse 37. Jesus said, but let your communication be yea, yea, nay, nay. For whatsoever is more than these cometh of evil. Now, Jesus said, there is a time in which you say yes. And if you change your mind, he said, you're sinning. It cometh of evil. Or would you commit a, an evil act when you change your mind? Now, there are, there are certain things that I don't think that you should just set your foot down and say, that's the way it is. But there are certain things when you just have to say, "My, I, this is the way it is. I will never recant on this. It, it is that way. It's forever settled. And, and that's it. I think the doctrine of the Lord Jesus Christ that he gave to us relative to the new birth and baptism, I think we can stand on it and we can say yes, we can say yes, and we can say no to false doctrine, and we don't ever have to worry about changing our mind because it's ever, forever settled. You see, it's based upon the will of God and the wishes of God. So... That's what he's saying. Let your yeas be yeas and your nays be nays. Jesus is saying, now don't be like some of the politicians. You heard about the, the uh, man who was running for political office. And uh, he was running as, as a judge. And uh, so they had a, a high court decision in which they were trying to make up their mind as to whether the courthouse... The county seat should be in one city or it should be in the other city of that county. And uh, because that they went into a hung jury on this where they couldn't make up their mind, uh, the, the judge then was to, was to break the tie. And he was to decide, well, he was running for office at that time. And so they asked him, they said, we want to ask you, Judge, uh, where do you think the courthouse should be? located well uh, he knew that regardless of how he answered it it was going to cost him some votes and it appeared that uh, the county was pretty well split down the middle and he really didn't know how the people were thinking so he said well this is it he said half of my friends want the courthouse in the city over here and he named the name of it and half of my friends want it over here and he said, the truth of the matter is, I'm going to stick with my friends. See? And sometimes you can, you can, somebody will ask you a direct question, and you don't want to say yes, and you don't want to say no, but you understand that it is important that you get the message to them. Especially in the area of salvation. And Jesus was saying, 
There is a time in which it is, it is a sin for you to not say what needs to be said. And when you say yes, make sure that you mean yes. And when you say no, make sure that you mean no. Now we should say, we should always say no to Satan and regardless of whatever he has to offer us. John said, love not the world, nor the things that are in the world. If a man loves the world, the love of God or the Father is not in him. And so there is a time when we have to do Satan, just like Jesus instructed us, get thee behind me, Satan. And we have to say no very forcefully, powerfully to Satan. We have to say no to him. You know, there's the problem with a lot of people, and this is the area in which uh, some people have trouble. They can't say no to the devil. That everything that the devil has for them, they have a problem saying no. Now, inside, there's something that says no. But when the temptation arises, they say yes. So you see, their, their no's really mean yes. And sometimes their yeses mean no's. And this is the reason why that Jesus said, hey, now in a case like this, you'll be sinning to say yes when you really mean no. And you'll be sinning to say no when you really mean yes. And he said, so let your communication be yea and let it be nay. And there is one thing that people need to understand. That if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. It was said of Reuben in the Old Testament, who was the father of the tribe of Reuben, Reuben of the, the twelve tribes of Israel. It was said of him that he was unstable as water. That just simply means that he, you know, he, he tried to play the field too much. He tried to, you know, what, what does the Bible say? The Bible says, beware when all men speak favorably or good of you. You've got to watch out. If you live for God, there will be a time in which you will have to diametrically oppose people and oppose their ideas and oppose what they're trying to push on you. So there is a time when your yeas must be yeas. And your nays must be nays. Get thee behind me, Satan. Now there is another time in which you should say no. Closely related, but a deviation somewhat from it. James, the fifth chapter. James, the fifth chapter, verse 12. <clears throat> but above all things, my brethren, swear not, neither by heaven, neither by the earth, neither by any other oath, but let your yea be yea, and your nay nay, lest you fall into condemnation. Now, condemnation means guilt or embarrassment here. Now, for an example... Uh, I understand that yesterday the uh, Kentucky Derby race was run. I don't keep up with that, but I picked up the paper this morning and and I saw that uh, the Kentucky Derby race was run yesterday. 
Well, I understand that the Kentucky Derby, along with the uh, Indy 500, that more betting is done on these two days in which these are run than any other day in all of history. I think the uh, Super Bowl now is about third and, and probably take over number one place this next year. But you see, this is what, this is what he's dealing with here. In other words, quite often what, what happens to people, they, they get in a habit of just speaking everything as a fact. See? And uh, James is warning people about making everything so factual without having the right knowledge. But he says when you do make it factual, he said... Just state it as it is and let it let it go. Let your yeas be yeas, in other words. You know, you don't have to do like they did at the Kentucky Derby yesterday by saying, you know, you walk up and you pull out your wallet. And I've been to some horse races in my life, and I don't know how it is there, but in Colorado, when I was a little boy, my dad took me to, a, or my uncle rather, took me to a horse race. And he bet on all those horses. He'd walk up. And uh, he said, I like to make a bet or place a bet. And I think they had $2 bills then. They were making $2 bets. I'll bet you $2. He walked away and said, that horse is going to win. I'll bet he's going to win. You see, when you make the bet, you take away from the surety of the thing. In other words, your, your word's not good enough. And, and quite often you'll find that we pick up this in our own vernacular. You know, we say, uh, we pick up words like this. I'll bet you a million dollars that he shows up today. Now, he said he wasn't going to come, but you know how he is. I'll bet you a million dollars that he's going to do it. Now, we really don't mean that. First place, most of us don't have a million dollars. Now, maybe we have some millionaires here, and if you have, well, then, then more power to you. But, but this is what he's saying. There are, there are times when you just, if, if you want your reputation to be good, stay away from all this gambling, surety stuff, wager stuff. In other words, just say, you know, uh, Tom's going to show up today. And just let it go. And if you don't know that Tom's going to show up, then say, I believe Tom will show up today. But when you have made up your mind that he's going to show up, then say yes. Or if you've made up his mind that he's not, say no. And if you haven't made up your mind, then open, don't open your mouth and swear that he is. Just let it go as it is. So there is a time to say no, and then there is another time in which you should say no. There is, however, a bad time to say no. I'd like for you to turn with me, if you would, to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians, the sixth chapter, the Bible says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and thy mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, 
and thou mayest live long on the earth. Now this is called the first command with promise. Now that simply means that when God gave the commandments, the first commandment with promise is, children obey your parents. I promise you that if you will do this, and of course he uses the stipulation honor. In other words, he, he defines obedience here by saying honor. And there is a difference in just straight out obedience and, and showing honor. There is a difference. And you can obey your parents all your life and perhaps not have a long life. But honor means that you respect them, you revere them. And when you revere people, there is a certain fear in your heart toward your parents. Now that's not wrong to have that. In fact, the Bible says you ought to have it. Now if you will follow this commandment, God says, I promise you that your life on the earth will be long. Now, I don't know how you feel, but I definitely feel that, you see, we have reached the age in which through scientific and medical practices, we have prolonged the lifespan to, and a woman, 78 now, and a man, 74. I believe that we will see a drastic reduction in that in the next few years. Now, you may disagree, but there's too much rebellion on the planet Earth. <clears throat> and you know what's going to happen when it all starts going downhill? Scientists are going to say, we told you not to be eating that junk food. Well, see, the junk food that I'm concerned about is not Fritos and hot dogs, but it's just garbage that the devil's pawning off on the inner man. And the terrible philosophies that's clouding his mind. What he's feeding his heart and his soul on. Now that's junk food. In fact, that's devil's food. Now you may say, how does that fit in your subject? Let's go on down here. It says, verse 4, And you fathers provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Now, <clears throat> servants... Be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling and singleness of your heart as unto Christ, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart. Now if you back up to the, the fifth chapter of the book of Ephesians, verse 21, Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it by the washing of water by the word. Now, I have called your attention to a passage of Scripture and explained a few things here without telling you how this fits into my message. But basically, what Paul is saying, there is a chain of command on the earth. And any time that you have a chain of command, 
those who are in authority are the superior in any change of command has the option of changing the mind of the subordinate or the inferior. Now, for an example, you got a little toddler in the home. Now, one of the first things that the children hear is the word no. You know, they, they hear that. They can crawl. They've heard the word no. They hear from their parents. So the child crawls across the floor, reaches up to get something off the coffee table. What would you say if that were your child? You just say no, don't you? I teach this in stewardship. Do we have anybody who went to the married couples retreat? Brother Gaminder, over here, back here, all right. Uh, Brother Grisham spoke of this uh, briefly in passing there. See, the first thing they hear is no. Now, you've got to, you've got to explain this, no. Well, the reason why you do this is because there are certain things that you do not want that child to destroy. And the reason why that you don't want that child to destroy it is because that it will ultimately affect his welfare too. You know, you don't set rules down just to make yourself happy. The Bible speaks that rulers are not a terror to good works. Some people feel that, that the only reason why that certain institutions have rules is to make those who are in uh, superior positions happy. That's not true. They're designed to make the whole picture healthy and happy. Isn't that right? Do you think that we have stop signs out here at intersections to make the police happy? You think that's why we have stop signs? Take all the red lights or traffic lights out and take all the stop signs out and just let everybody do what they want to do and you'll find out that there'll be a whole lot of sad families when they go pushing their loved one's casket down the aisle so you see all the rules and regulations of life are not designed to make those in superior positions happy now that child that toddler he learns the word no now see after a while what will happen is that you'll ask that child to do something that child will say no he will rebel. You, however, being his superior, you have the prerogative of changing his mind for him. That's your prerogative. When your child tells you no, you can jerk that little baby up and blister his bottom and set him back down and set him straight and change his mind in a hurry. Now, God gives you that spiritual prerogative. You can do that. So every now and then, you may say yes, or you may say no, when really your no does not mean no, and your yes does not mean yes. Yes. 
Because there is a power higher than you that determines that. And while you set it with a full intent of doing it, you know, I remember when I was in junior high, I told the football coach, I will play football. And so I went in and I signed up. You had to sign up and they weigh you and they measure you and they get all the football pads and the helmets and everything. And I went home and told my mother and my mother says, you will not play football. I couldn't believe I was hearing what I was hearing. And I said, you have got to be kidding. She said, I am not kidding. And I said, well, what am I going to do? I've already opened my mouth. I've already told the coach that I'm going to play. She said, you march in there tomorrow, son, and tell him your yes really meant N-O. I said, but it didn't. She says, it does now. I could hardly believe my ears. I was not even a praying boy, but I prayed about that. I said, now this isn't fair, Lord. I argued with the Lord about it for a while. And I went back and I thought I'd make another appeal to my mother. Maybe maybe her hard heart is softened. And so I went back in. I said, please, Mom, I want to play football. I've already been measured. If I go back in there, you know what's going to happen? All the kids of the school are going to come around. They're going to say, I hear you don't want to play football. I said, I'm going to, I want to play football. And she said, oh, I don't care whether you want to or not. But I've already opened my mouth. Now that's going to be embarrassing. I don't care, son. You go in there tomorrow and you tell the coach that your Y-E-S has been abbreviated and now it's N-O. You have got to be kidding I said, I'm not going to do it. I said, I'm not going to do it. Well, I can tell you one thing, she said. You may not do it, but when I get, a, when I get finished with you, you'll know that I mean business. And I'll call him myself and say that, that John's yes meant no. And I'll guarantee you the next time around, you won't be in there weighing up and getting measured without my permission. She had a reason. You know, later on in high school, I didn't ask her. I didn't even tell her. Here I'm in the 11th grade later on, see, and I, I, I go out for football and I make the team. And you know what happened? My mother was so disappointed. Now I'm a big boy. My dad was not living for God. He kind of took up for me. And that's a bad thing, really. Of course, my dad was the head of the household. But they weren't living for God. I understood my mother's Christian principles and the reason why she didn't want me playing football. I cracked my ankle up. And do you know that my greatest problem in life right now as far as health is what? My ankle. You know that. It never pays. It never pays to rebel against a superior. See? Now, I'm not here to talk about the rank and file of superiority. That's not it at all. I have something much deeper than that. 
that I'm really talking about. And you see, he goes on down, he says, now I, not with eye service, he's talking about, about servants and, and masters. And in our day, that simply means employer-employee relationship. I remember a man in our congregation who told me that he fired somebody. And uh, he was telling me about who he fired. I didn't know the boy that he'd fired. And he said, uh, the boy, he came in, he, he sought my counsel. He said, uh, I fired this boy and I'm not for sure I should have. And he told me that all the situations and the problems. He said, I really don't think I was that equitable and uh, that fair with the boy. But he said, I fired him. Now he said, my conscience is really bothering me. It's eating me up. He said, uh, it, uh, it, it's, it's doing something to me. And uh, he said, should I have fired him or should I not? I said, well, I don't know whether you should or shouldn't, but I know his action toward you is not right. It really isn't. I said, you see, you may not always be right, but you will always be boss. Now, I may step on some, some toes right here, but hear me out. See, if you work on a job and you belong to a labor union, I think that you need to be very careful as to how you file grievances because you might be in a direct contradiction to the Word of God. You've got to be very careful. And I know that I've worked on jobs before where they had labor unions, and there's no way that a man could get fired. No way. You could, you could sit in the bathroom all night long if you wanted to and somebody go to bat for you and the people who were in superior positions, their hands were tied. They couldn't do anything. And I know of a job where, where uh, they were going to fire a man anyway and you know what happened? All of the servants, so to speak, or the employees walked off the job. Now, uh, this may shock you, but if I'd have been the owner of that place, I'd have shut the place down and hired somebody else. And I, I would have kicked the labor union right out. You may say, you can't do that. Oh, yes, I could. Friend, it's been done before. Now, I said that, you know, that may not fit your philosophy. So, you know, we don't want to have a big hang-up about philosophies. But I'm, I'm, I'm pointing to a principle of the Word of God. See, the principle of the Word of God is this. That sometimes you say no... And somebody changes your mind for you. You know, there are some people that are just so stubborn, though. They're like the, they're like the little child that pokes out his lip to his parents and says, No. Well, you see, that mom or that dad's got to change that kid's mind because that kid is, 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 is in the wrong path. And, and every now and then Christians, you know, they make a staunch stand and they say, Nope, I'm not going to do it. Nobody. You know? And somebody comes along and changes your mind for you. And the problem is that sometimes we're so rebellious that we just say, well, Jesus said let your yeas be yeas and your nays be... Now, he's not talking about that. See? That's not what he's talking about. And even James says, now be very careful about how you say certain things. 
And when you do it, don't put a wager on it. Otherwise, he said, you'll enter into condemnation. You know, you say, I bet you a million dollars that Tom doesn't show up today. And all of a sudden, here walks Tom on the job. Somebody walks in and says, give me that million dollars. Now, who's blushing now? See, you are. You are. See, that's the reason why Jesus said, judge not lest you be judged. He said, there are certain matters in which you just kind of need to be a little bit on the neutral side. When it affects your relationship with somebody else. Now, this is an, this is an important principle that we understand. A very, very important principle that we understand. Now, the reason why... <clears throat> That there is a caution here, verse 4 says, And ye fathers provoke not your children to wrath. He, he puts a caution here. He said, Now wait a minute. I want to caution you about something. He said, The first commandment with promise is that you obey your father and mother, honor them, respect them, revere them. Your days will be long on the face of the earth. Now, fathers, don't go and create some kind of a situation. That's uncalled for to make that child re rebel against you. Because when that happens, you hurt yourself and him. And the very thing that was meant to give him long life and bring the blessings of God upon him will not bring the blessings of God upon him. It will destroy him. And so a father has the power in his own hands to go to his son if he's got a grudge or some feeling that's not quite right, and say, young man, I told you right now, you just had this press, didn't you? It looks so nice. I told you right now, I'm twisting this, okay. I told you right now not to do this. Now, I understand that there are, there are times, in fact, if you looked in the Bible, you'll find that, that, that parents are given the authority to make their children mine. And the Bible puts no stipulations on, on what has to be done. In other words, you, you can pretty well do what you want to do. But to see, a wise father, see, is going to handle that in such a way that he never applies any more pressure than need to because the relationship with the child and his God's going to be affected, see? Same is true with a husband and wife relationship. The Bible says that the husband is the head of the household. But then he cautions. Now, inasmuch that you have authority over your wife, make sure that you understand that you are supposed to love that woman just like Jesus loves what? The church. Basically, you. That's what he's talking about. You love your wife just like Jesus loves you. Now there are times in which Jesus says no, and you get your feelings hurt. There are times in which you obey the Lord. There are times when you don't obey the Lord. We have anybody here that's never disobeyed God? 
don't see any hands here. We have all disobeyed the Lord. Aren't you glad that God didn't just come out, come down and just zap you right out there? Zip, and you're gone. Right into eternity. So you see, in a relationship like this, there is the carefulness. There is the gentleness on the side of the superior when correction is made, see. has to be. Because if rules are set down for the benefit of all concerned, you must understand that the satisfaction of that rule is not designed to make you happy. See, some people are just more interested in winning an argument than anything else. Because they said it, that's the way it's got to be. Now, <clears throat> we want to make sure then, as husbands, that we are not imposing things upon our spouses that are not right. And as parents, upon children that are not right. And as an employer, upon our employees that are not right. Because you see, everybody loses in a situation like that. Now, I'd like for you to turn to Acts, the 17th chapter, in some closing remarks today. Acts 17. Now, Paul is preaching on Mars Hill. His theme is that God will judge the world by Jesus Christ. Now, God's going to judge the world by Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was the literal flesh of the Lord. Before God would judge the world, He formed Himself a body to come and look at man through the eyes of a man. Now, that's necessary. See, there's one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Now, you'll never take any problem to God now that God does not fully understand. Now, we may not have been ideal children, but we've been children. And it is good for us sometimes in dealing with children kids. Now, I was not the ideal child. In fact, my mother still declares that I hold the world's record on the most whippings. You know, and I think she'd probably be pretty, pretty close to right. You know, I, I really got myself in a lot of trouble. I, I was just a, I was a, well, I was a boy, and uh, and uh, you know, I, I was a boy. Okay, so I probably hold the world's record on this. And you know, sometimes though, in dealing with my children, I forget how I was. Now that's not an excuse, but but on the other hand in view of the fact that I still remember some of the situations that I was involved in and how I was treated and the love that was shown. It's a good thing for me when I correct my children. See? And so, uh, this is what God did. He became man to come and rescue man and to look at the problems through the eyes of a man. You see, man became rebellious against God. The soul that sinneth it shall surely die. Adam and Eve were made in the likeness and the creation of God. 
Isn't that right? Made in his own image. God breathed in their nostrils a breath of life. Man became a living soul. And so God required certain things of Adam and Eve. And what did they do? Just like rebellious children, they said, we're not going to do that. No. God says, I'm going to pull rank over you. See, there are certain times in which you can change your mind. And there are certain times in which God changes his mind about certain things. But, for you as a subject to God, inferior to God, it is never right to say no to God. It's never right. Now, he can change your mind, but you can't change his mind. And so they said, we're not going to do this. The devil says, why, don't listen to him. Why, he doesn't even know what he's talking about. The moment you eat of that fruit, he said, your eyes are going to be open. And you're going to be just like God. That business about the soul that says, it shall surely die. That's a bunch of bunk. That's a bunch of baloney. Don't listen to him. This is when they should have had enough fortitude to put their foot down and says, no, Satan, you get behind me. But you see, they didn't know who to say no to and who to say yes to. They said yes to the wrong source and no to the wrong source. If they had reversed that, if they had understood something about relationships, they would have understood it should have been yes to God and no to the devil. But it wasn't that way. It was yes to the devil and no to God. And so Paul is standing here by Mars Hill. And he is saying, do you know that God's going to judge the world through Jesus Christ? And he goes on down. And he tells them why God can do that. In verse 28. For in him we live... Who gives you life? Who gives you life? Who gives you life? You think your life is coming through those vitamins you're taking every day? You think your life came through a $2,000 hospital bill when you were born? You think that? That's not how it comes. God is a source of all life. That's what he's saying. In him we live and we do what? We move. Now, <clears throat> I'm not very smart, but I could tell you, biologically speaking, what makes my arm move. And you can study that in biology, and there's no mention of God any place. There is, however, a mention of the brain. See, the voluntary muscles, which are controlled by the brain. I tell myself, hand, arm, move. That's simplified, but that's basically how it works. So your voluntary muscles are controlled by the brain. 
if you reach out to something that, that is sharp or hot or, or, or anything that brings pain, uh, your hand just automatically goes back in a very uh, natural way. The involuntary muscles take over. So it's a, you're not even conscious of it. You don't have to say hand, move. It just moves. You can read all that in the biology book, and, and there's no mention of God. But the Bible says, did you know in Him you do what? You move. And we have what? Our being. Our being is in God. You want to know who you are today? You have any idea who you are? You know, the big quest of young people today is... Who am I? Where did I come from? And where am I going? I'll tell you who you are. Paul explains it like this. He said, for we are also his offspring. He's our superior. And what Paul was saying here, if you read this whole message, what he's saying is here, wait just a minute. You've got all of these gods out here that are more than figments of your imagination or something that you have conjured up in your mind. Don't you understand that if you take if you take a hammer and a chisel and you chisel something out of rock and you put it up there and you bow down to it, that that God becomes subject to you because you created it? And you can say no to that God anytime you want to say no. But to this unknown God, because you're His offspring, He made you with His hands. You can't pull rank on him. That's what Paul's saying. And God's going to judge the world by Jesus Christ. Why? Because you were made in the likeness and image of him that was to come, according to Romans 5.14. And I sit here, or I say, I sit here, I stand here as you are seated today to inform you that there is one thing that you need to understand about God is that God is your superior. To Him every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. Every eye shall behold Him, even those that ignorantly crucified Him and pierced Him. And when God talks to you and God calls you and God deals with you and God talks to you about your sinful ways, you can't poke out your lip and say, Preacher, I'm not going to do that. You see, preaching is a method that God uses to talk to you. I can prove that by the scripture. And when God's dealing with you inside of your heart, and your heart starts racing 100 miles an hour, and you feel that thump inside, and you walk out the door, and you say, I won't give my heart to God. Remember, friend, you can't pull rank on him. Now, you may tell him no for a while, but there's going to come a time in which he's going to call you in. He's going to say, look, I'm getting tired of this no business. So I'm going to chastise you. You say, that's not fair. Then why in the world do you make your kids mind? What gives you the authority in your home to be boss? Evidently, you understand more about that principle than what you want to admit. Amen? 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 Hello out there? 
Everybody still out there? See? See, we tell our kids, listen, don't come around here telling me what to do. I run this place. And then we walk on God's green earth. We eat His food and breathe His air and drink His water and live in houses that were made by His trees and everything. And God says, why don't we do this and why don't we do this? You say, who are you to tell me what to do? I'll tell you who He is. He's your superior. And you are His offspring. And the real danger of saying no to God is that the principle that I have mentioned to you tonight or today has been laid down in the Bible and God on this principle when he says yea it means yea we'd like you to stand if you would the easiest life to live in this world is a life of true submission submission to each other if you want harmony on a job and you're an employee, the best way is to try to get along with your employer. You're not going to be... Have you ever seen a happy man on a job who's in conflict with his boss? You ever seen a happy person on a job who's in conflict with the boss? I never have. Oh, I've had a lot of people come around and complain and say, I'm going to quit that job. I said, why? I don't like my boss. Now, you've heard that, haven't you? You ever, ever had anybody that says, Man, I just love that job. I hate my boss. It doesn't work that way, does it? <clears throat> have, you ever, have you ever heard a kid in the home say, I'll tell you what, we got so much peace and harmony in the home, I think I'll run away. Or have you ever heard it just the reverse by saying, I'll tell you what, I disagree with mom and dad. I think I really like it here. See, we get all messed up in our minds sometimes. See, people who are not living for God and saying no to God all the time, they're saying, I'm happy, I'm happy, I'm happy, I'm happy. You're kidding yourself. Now, you know good and well you're kidding yourself. You're not happy. Why? You're in direct conflict with the giver of life. And the only way you're ever going to be happy is to submit to God. Submit yourself, therefore, unto God. Resist the devil. He will flee from thee. Draw nigh unto God. and He'll draw nigh unto thee. One of the greatest pressures in a home is the peer pressure that is from without. You take a kid who has friends, and the parents say, we'd like for you to go with us this weekend up to visit our relatives up north. And the kid maybe is a rebellious kid, and his peers come and say, you're going to go up north and see those relatives? See, that's the, that's the attitude of the world. Isn't that right? Go up there where Grandma and Grandpa are. 
And that kid says, I'm going to be happy and I'm going to do what I really want to do. So he rebels. He's like a stick in the mud. Stays home. Won't go. You think that kid's happy? You know he's not. He's not happy. He wouldn't even be happy if his mother and dad changed his mind, made him go. But now if he learned the real principle of submission by just saying, well, I, I don't really care to go up there in his own mind, but they tell me that I ought to, so I just trust them and I'm going to do it. And if he goes, he'll have a good time. And you know, it's that same way in living for God. People say, I don't want to live for God. I don't want to go to that holy city. The devil says, I'll tell you what, you just you, you just don't worry. You just you just hang around me, we'll have a good time. The Bible says that that only lasts for a season. You talk about somebody's mixed up and somebody's confused. It's somebody who God is saying, We're going to take a trip. I want you to go with me. And Satan is saying, Ah, don't worry about that. There's a danger in saying no to God. Because you know when he starts applying pressure sometimes to change your mind. This is when a lot of confusion and condemnation takes place. But the best way to live, I'm serious with you. I've tried both routes. The best way to live is just say yes to God and submit to him. That works in the home, works in, in the world. Try, try, to, try to create a big scene with a policeman and see. I got caught speeding one time. And I thought, well, I'll just kind of see what happens here. So I said, sir, don't give me that ticket. I'm a preacher. I provoked him. You know what he did? Stuck his finger right in my nose and said, if anybody ought to know the law, it ought to be a preacher. Not too long ago, I. <laughs> in fact, the only time that I know of in my whole life that I ever really got out of ticket, I was caught up at camp speeding and I got out. I didn't know I was speeding. And the, the guy said, You know, you're going 55 miles an hour in a 25 mile speed zone. It was around the lake out there, and I didn't know it was. I said, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't know how fast it was going, I didn't know the speed limit. And he said, well, i got to give you a ticket. I said, yes, sir, I deserve one. I'm a preacher. I ought to know the law. He said, you know, I don't think I'm going to give you a ticket. <laughs> and you know, he didn't give me a ticket. <laughs> I really did deserve one, didn't I? But what I was saying is, you're right. And you know what? If you'll tell the Lord today he's right, you're going to find he's going to show a whole lot of mercy. On both sides of our pulpit, there's a place for you to come and kneel and pray and surrender to God. Some of you have been fighting God. I know your lives. I know your personal lives. You've been fighting God so long. There's built up a real rebellion and proudness in some of you. You won't do it. But you're not going to be happy. And there's a danger in telling God no. 
because you can only say no so long to superior until action must be taken. Are you going to tell him no today? Praise God. Who'd like to be the first one to step out and say yes to God? There's an altar waiting for you to come and pray. Praise God. Some of you sisters come and pray with Alice. Alice Black wants to be baptized. She's been praying at the altar now for a few weeks. Some of you sisters come and pray with her, would you? Praise God. Okay, Debbie is over here praying. Some more of you sisters come over here and pray with her. Would you do that? Somebody else want to come and pray? Come on right now. Would you come on right now? Praise God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Listen, don't be embarrassed. Don't be ashamed to say no to God. Come on right now. I feel that others should come. We're giving you plenty of time to come and surrender your heart to God today and to pray. Praise God. You see, God pulls rank on us all because He's superior of all world. He is the Almighty God. He is the everlasting Father. In Him has been invested all power in heaven and earth. You can't say no to Him, can you? You think you can get by with it? Why are you doing it? Because you see, deep down inside, there's a seed of evil that says, I can, but friend, you can't. Come on right now. I just feel that I need to wait just for another moment. Come on, there's a place to pray right down here. Come on and give your heart to God. Don't say no to God today. Submit yourself to Him. Praise God. I want to live the way He wants me to live. Let's sing that, Sister Grant. I want to live the way He wants me to live. I want to give until there's just no more to give I want to love love till there's just no more love I could never ever out love the Lord now we'd like for you who are standing to turn and kneel and pray after you prayed this morning you may consider yourself dismissed God bless you for coming and being with us. We trust that you'll take my words this morning. Consider them in the light of scriptural teachings. We'll see you tonight. God bless you and have a good day. Love, love, tell there just.